Yeah, actually, if you could queue up over here, just around the side, that'd be great. And while people do that, I will break the ice with the first question. All right. So in the very beginning of your lecture, you mentioned farming as an illustration. This is something that I'm coming to terms with as a uh, newer Texan. Would you say that nature and what God teaches us through nature, like hunting, fishing, gardening, those sorts of things, are a critical part of forming a, a Christian culture? Absolutely, yes. I, I, um, we learn things about God. We learn things about ourselves. Um, and we learn about how to relate to one another through ultimately, of course, through Scripture, but looking at nature, looking at farming, looking at hunting, fishing, all those things um, through, the, through the lens of Scripture and seeing how they do apply to our lives. So, yes, I do. Um, and we can learn a lot about child rearing in that way as well. You talked about impressing our children's identity upon them as Christians from the very get-go. They're Christians, they're followers of Christ, they're saved. Right. Um, a parent that is looking for a conversion later in their child's life might point to Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, but God, later on, being rich in mercy. You know, like That right. kind of sounds like a, a turning point. Yes. And so how does... How do you read Ephesians 2 in that regard, if our child are Christians from day one? Okay. Well, that, that question is so very easy. I'm going to get Garrett to answer that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Um, well, there's, there's a lot that's going on in Ephesians uh, and in that context as well. In the, uh, Ephesians 2 uh, and then throughout is how God's creating one new man in Christ. Ephesians 2 goes through that and, and talks about that in, in Ephesians 4, about how he's gifted the church, and that comes into play there, that there are, there, there's a corporate sense in which that's understood as well, that, that uh, the Gentiles and Jews were separated, and they were, the world was divided. Um, this, this gets a little difficult. Um, the world, was, the world was split in half when God created the Jews. Uh, he, he, the world is now divided into Jews and Gentiles. And that, that in itself divided humanity. And a divided humanity as a whole is a dead humanity. Okay? So God took the human race and ripped them apart. And when you rip apart what's supposed to go together, you have death. And they were... And all of humanity was dead in trespasses and sin. And so when Christ came, he, he reunited us he, through his body, in his body. And that's what Ephesians 2 ultimately deals with, is that in his body, he's reconciled us to, into one new man. And so uh, now each of us, and so the human race is now alive in Christ. So if we're in Christ, Jew and Gentile are one new man. And I realize this this assumes a lot of theology that I'm not explaining, okay? <clears throat> but um, we, are, we are now a new humanity alive in Christ Jesus. Now, this can certainly apply to us as individuals. Um, that we are, our children certainly are conceived in sin. And they are born in sin, according to um, Psalm 51. And so they are at the time of their conception, 
sinners and rightfully cut off from God. But God in his grace and by his promise has said, I'm going to be a God to you. I'm going to restore you. And so God restores that relationship with him because that's, he's restoring the family. He's restoring everything uh, that he intended for creation. He's, he's restoring it now in Christ. And so he gives his promise to the parents, uh, or at least to one believing parent, that if there's a child that is born, out of, you know, um, if, you're, if you're the father of a child or the mother of a child that's born, this child is holy. Um, and God, <laughs> uh, God, the turning point is in the womb, okay, after conception, when God says, no, you're mine. They are conceived in sin, but then God says, you belong to me, uh, and I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And, and so that's where the individual turning point can be there. Uh, is, that, is that clear as mud? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Somebody got an easier question? <laughs> All right. If you're looking for any before the social hour, I've got seven written down here, so if somebody just really wants to say thank you and come up to the mic, feel free, but um, I'll do one more while we give people a chance to think. Uh, you mentioned the culture of vocabulary being important, that kids are going to imitate yes. what they hear, what they do, what they say. Is there a lot of um, just cornerstone words that you start sprinkling in with the discipline too, because this kind of ties into your second talk, words like mercy? or, you know, grace, or certain things that you just want to plant as pillars in your kid's mind of, these are words that we use in this house, we're a Christian house, and so, yeah, we're, you know, I'm giving you mercy this time. Is that, is that an excuse for not giving discipline? Like, how do these things all tie together with, <laughs> with being consistent, but then also biblical in your words and your actions? Yeah, I, I, we we do have to speak, and I want to be I want to be careful, I, um, because sometimes it comes across as contrived and fake, you know, when we when we do these things. But there is a Christian language that we have, uh, and words like mercy and grace are good, and we need to be speaking those words, and they need to be understanding those. Um, so yes, we need to have that Christian vocabulary because that is a part of the culture. Uh, as I said, uh, when you're building a culture, one of the, one of the fundamentals of a culture, the, what, what is cohesive, what, what coheres a culture is the language. Uh, if God came down and saw people building a tower and didn't want them to have a culture, he would give them different languages which he did right and so they couldn't they couldn't work together they couldn't have a uh, cohesive culture because they didn't have the same language and so building a culture is fundamentally requires the same language and so in a in a parent-child relationship in a husband-wife relationship we we need to have that kind of biblical christian language mercy grace uh, wrath all these things, confession, forgiveness, re reconciliation, all these things need to be a part of the vocabulary of the home. Love, joy, um, all these things. So, yes. All right. Excellent. Last call. All right, here we go. I could probably just say it. 
I'll, for the, I'll try for to the sake I'll of the recording here. Right. I can yeah. give it over to you. Thank you for your faithful service in the ministry. I'm a, uh, I'm a fellow Baptist, so I'm not Presbyterian, oh, but okay. nonetheless, thank you for your faithful ministry and the wonderful sermons tonight. Um, I was going to say, my, uh, going along with his question, my father growing up, one of the times he um, disciplined me, I've got an older brother, he ended up showing me um, the uh, atoning sin in which Christ took on the cross and showed that in relation to you know, a sm some sort of small sin that I committed in which my brother received the spanking for the sin that I had committed. And he only did this one time, but I remembered it, I mean, even till today. And so I thanked him earlier this year whenever I um, was in some prayer about it, and it really helped me grasp the understanding of Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross. And I know it's a little bit different being a Presbyterian because the assumption of um, the salvation of the child mm -hmm. early on in life. And so I think that that was a little bit different for me, but I know that that definitely helped me realize the atoning sacrifice. So would you, it kind of goes along with what he's asking. Would you recommend doing something like that in any case with a child? Um, in a home, I, I, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I want to be careful here because I, do, I, I don't want to... Um, well, the short answer is I don't, I don't think I would because, um, first of all, the other children in my home are not sinless, and uh, to put my to put my sin upon the sin of another person who is the same in the same condition as me, uh, I believe is an incomplete picture. Um, the uh, but see, and I can answer all these questions because I'm leaving Monday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Garrett has to, Garrett has, to, I know Garrett soft pedals everything, so uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking, I know better than that. Um, anyway, no, I, and I, I would see that, I would see that as a, I understand the principle behind it, please don't get me wrong, um, and, uh, and I say this jokingly, Presbyterians also believe in the uh, atonement. Um, <laughs> I believed in it as a Baptist. I believe it as a Presbyterian, and uh, but I think there would be other more uh, other ways to apply that principle and to teach that. Um, but I don't I don't know if I would recommend that um, as a as an illustration about the children. Okay. All right. How about one freebie palate cleanser? Um, just, to, just to end us on. So you talked a lot about culture. There's a ton of talk at the, in the broader level about culture right uh -huh. now. It gets into things like sports and just, you know, like people are fanatical about different things. Um, how do we interact with a culture in a way that pushes godliness out into it as opposed to just, I mean, there's a lot of cultural capitulation in the Old Testament and we can't isolate ourselves. But what, what would that look like in a sports game or in a in a school that we're involved in or whatever. Uh, okay, that's a, uh, uh, that's another that's a huge, a huge question, um, and I I wouldn't go you know as far as um, as what has been called the Benedict option, 
where you just kind of withdraw and uh, you know you have your own community. But there there are some principles there that are that are also very good. The priority needs to be upon your family, uh, your family and your church family, to build strong households because you need to be fruitful in your household, and you need to be. Th- we need to be thinking long term. We don't need to be thinking just about engaging. We have to be thinking about right now, engaging the culture right now, but we also need to be thinking about how the culture is engaged 100 years from now because they are, they're killing themselves um, a, through abortion, transgenderism, things like that. They're, they're, they're dying off. They want our children so that they can continue their culture, and they, they want us to give them our children in the schools and things like that because they don't produce children. So one of the things that we have to do is say, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have our community, we're going to rear our children, and we're going to do these things, uh, and we're going to keep producing. When you die off, we're going we're to take the culture. Um, that sounds, maybe sound cold and heartless, but it's just the way that it is. Um, and as far as right now, we can still engage the culture, and we can still engage sports and things like that um, and do it faithfully but those things also can't control us Uh, they can't they can't dictate to us the way we're going to live we have to say this is this is who we are more fundamentally and football practice and football games give way to the Lord's service baseball practice baseball games they give way to whatever the church is doing during holy week or something like that. Um, those things are, those, that's how you build culture, and that's one of the ways you engage the culture. So 